Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right, wow, what a busy, busy week we have had here at Liberty Baptist Church. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Friddle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We have just wrapped up this week our 42nd anniversary celebration via our Maximize Life Conference. What a great uh, great three, four days if you count Sunday, of just uh, fellowship and learning and studying the Word of God together. Hope that you were able to be part of those celebrations. If you weren't, I'm not going to lie, you missed out. You you missed out. But you can still come to church this Sunday, and it's going to be awesome again this week. 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning are our service time, 6 p.m. Uh, Sunday evening. The Broncos play, of course, on Sunday. Still kind of getting over the whole Antonio Brown of the Patriots thing. Like, after last week's podcast, and I specifically threw the Patriots in there, like, this is just unbelievable. <laughs> Antonio Brown is with the Steelers. He can't. The, the Steelers refuse to trade him to the Patriots. They trade him to the Raiders. He freaks out. It just acts like a crazy person who should have been making $60 million, but instead is what's going to make nothing. Then is like, well, then cut me. Within hours of being cut by the Raiders, he's picked up by the Patriots. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I don't know what's going to happen this year, honestly. Like, obviously, he couldn't play uh, in the game against the Steelers because transactions can't take place in the NFL on Sunday. And we already talked about this earlier this week. I just am still... Like, every time I think about football, I'm like, oh, Antonio Brown is with the Patriots. Um, It's kind of good, though. If you're a Broncos fan... The Broncos don't play the Patriots this year in the regular season. The only time we would ever see Tom Brady is if we make the playoffs. And I, I don't know, though. Like, I... I see all the Patriots hype, and I get it because on paper, they, they it, it looks like it should be an unstoppable force, right? And all over social media, when the news broke, there's all these uh, memes and gifs of the Patriots or Bill Belichick as Thanos when he puts the final, uh, you know, the final gem in the in the in in the gauntlet, and his whole body is like whoa all the power like the Patriots now are the whoa, all the power right but I don't know I I don't know it's just it seems to me that oftentimes in sports when you create what should be the team of superstars that it doesn't always work out if it does work out for the Patriots which it, it seems like it should all credit for that in my opinion will go to Bill Belichick because to have that many, um, and this isn't anything about the Patriots as a football team, all right? I, the Patriots are obviously a, an excellent football team, but it's about the coaching, in my opinion. Um, because when you have that many players of that, of that um, opinion that they are invincible, essentially, and that they are worth more than anybody else, I mean, that's literally like Antonio Brown's whole 
thing. Like, if you don't know anything about football, this is probably, you're like, can we talk about something else? And I will, momentarily. Don't worry. We're going to talk about all the things. But, um, I just, I don't, there's part of me that wonders if there's not going to be that team or teams that are going to be, you know, it's the end of Infinity War and Thanos is standing there like he rules the world and Iron Man's like, actually, no, you don't. So I... I'm I'm hesitant to even say this because I know people are gonna laugh at me and I could just be a total look like a total idiot if it doesn't work out this way. But I I just don't know because you have so many. It it it. I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to be amazing. They'll probably just they they, they may even go undefeated. Uh, but who knows? The Dolphins could end up being that's what that's what I'm saying. Like it could just be really fluky games. But on paper. And, and hypothetically, the Patriots should be unstoppable. At least their offense should be unstoppable based on the, the, the what's on paper. But And so, I, you know, that's the way I want to go. Yeah, the Patriots are going to make the playoffs. The Patriots are going to sail through the playoffs. The Patriots are going to make the Super Bowl. But you, you just you don't know. You don't know what could happen with those other little teams. You don't know what could happen with injuries. Any number of different things could transpire. And just change this whole thing around. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. We really, I, I know it doesn't seem like it's something that could happen, but sometimes David beats Goliath, and I, I don't know. I could almost see the whole thing falling apart for the Patriots because there's so much talent. I know it sounds, it sounds ignorant even to say that. Like they're so good, they're going to be bad. I I know it sounds stupid. It sounds stupid to me even saying it, and that's why I wasn't even sure I wanted to say it, but, you know, overconfidence can lead to defeat. And that's why I think um, I think that they will do well overall. I don't, I don't think, you know, a lot of people are, are pushing the whole undefeated thing. I don't think they're going to go undefeated because I just think that overconfidence will eventually lead you to a couple of, a couple of missteps. But I do think the victory that they have will be because of the coaching. Because I just, that the, that group of people they have, uh, the, it's an incredible amount of talent. And there's just so much talent. And the Patriots are generally very good at taking individuals that have been playing football or but maybe haven't been uh, team players off the field, if you will, and uh, helping them to transform their lives and get them better on the field, which, which could happen again. I just, I'm not all hyped on the Patriots as much as everyone else seems to be because I don't know well one I, I'm not a Patriots fan but even if I even if this was another team like I just don't I don't know I just don't know would I like to have the players that they have playing for the Broncos sure yes give us Tom Brady I will take Tom Brady I will take uh, Julian Edelman I'll take some of the other guys but uh, you can keep Antonio Brown. Who knows? Antonio Brown may not even be a Patriot in a couple of weeks. Um, but then once Josh Gordon starts back, man, on paper, they should be unstoppable. But pride comes before a fall. That's all I'm saying. Like, I just don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out for the Patriots because they just, there's so much talent. And sometimes, sometimes overconfidence is not a good thing. Again. Overall, my prediction is I'm thinking this is going to be an incredible year for them. I don't think they go undefeated. But I also wouldn't be shocked if it just all falls apart and people just stand around like, how is this possible 
that the Patriots are losing games when they have all this talent. Like, that wouldn't shock me at this point. But anyway, I've just spent, like, seven minutes talking about the Patriots, and I had no intention of doing that today. Okay, so let's get to... uh. Let's get to some actual meat here, um, and then we'll talk about literal uh, meat in just a few minutes. Actually, uh, do I have this story up? Let me see if I can find this story real quick before we dive into everything else. Um, let me see if I can find this. There we go. Okay. Toronto, the first, because I, uh, when I said meet, it made me think of this. I saw it over the weekend. So this past weekend, uh, Toronto, Canada, opened its first ever uh, Chick-fil-A. And protesters staged a die-in in front of this Chick-fil-A. So there's all these people just lying there pretending to be dead in front of the Chick-fil-A. The reason, of course, being that uh, LGBTQ activists um, who have argued that no one should eat these chicken sandwiches because uh, the the owner of Chick-fil-A is clearly anti-gay because he is a Christian. So, um, anyone that was... <laughs> the restaurant opened its doors, people are going in, and the protesters are chanting shame. And uh, another phrase that sounds like... Um, like a curse word, so I'm not gonna say it because even though it's not the actual curse words, you know what they're what they're saying, and it's the noise that a chicken would make, um, and they're saying that to the people as they're going in. This is chanting "Hey, hey, ho, ho!" Homophobia's got to go in front of this store. Um, they put they put drag queens' faces on chicken sandwiches that they were serving to protesters, not Chick-fil-A, but other chicken sandwiches. They put uh, drag queen faces on protesters that they were, or on sandwiches that they were feeding to protesters outside the Chick-fil-A. Spokespeople for the organization said that they won't allow hateful rhetoric here, and the fact that Chick-fil-A is opening on the streets of Toronto is something that is quite alarming. Yes, because you know every time you go to Chick-fil-A, the first thing they ask you when you go through the drive-thru is, excuse me. What pleases your sexual orientation and do you love Jesus? No, it's not like that. Not that that, I mean, <laughs> like, it's just it's ridiculous. Chick-fil-A can't be here because it's an anti-gay organization. They hate people. Chick-fil-A doesn't hate anybody. Chick-fil-A workers are the nicest workers in the world. Who else do you go through the drive-thru and they have like five million people waiting to get a sandwich and they smile and they say please and they say thank you and my pleasure and how can I help you today? It's just unheard of. And where do you find that? Chick-fil-A. And guess what? Their employees treat everyone that way, regardless of race, color, creed, or anything else. They're not a hateful organization. It's amazing to me that we have reached a point we're holding a belief that is contrary to someone else's belief is is considered hate. Even if you don't talk about it, even if you don't say anything about it. We saw this with Drew Brees last week. You know, he records 20 seconds encouraging kids to bring their Bible to school on Bring Your Bible to School Day. Uh, it's bringyourbible.org. I think it's a website. Great event. You should get involved with it if you don't know about it already. And, and the left goes crazy because Bring Your Bible to School Day is, uh, is an initiative of Focus on the Family. And, of course, Focus on the Family is a hateful hate organization that just hates, hates, hates the family and people in general. And so Drew Brees got attacked for that. It's just, it's, it's absurdity everywhere. 
But anyway, um, there was something else I was going to throw in with the Chick-fil-A story that I was thinking as I was talking, but I think it has left me. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Maybe we'll get back to it. The GOP is planning to drop presidential primaries previously scheduled in four states to impede Trump challengers, according to MSN. The Republican parties in Arizona, Kansas, here in our home state of Nevada, and South Carolina intend to cancel the 2020 presidential primaries in their states, according to three people familiar with the plans, a move aimed at depriving President Trump's long-shot challengers of chances to build support. Now, look, uh, I mean, we've got Joe Walsh, former Tea Party guy from Illinois, announced his candidacy. You've got William Weld, former governor of Massachusetts, also challenging uh, the president. Other states are expected to potentially follow suit and also cancel their Republican primaries. States that don't hold the primaries still choose delegates and there'll be a state convention. The Trump campaign, so there's nothing unusual about this move designed to help stay, save uh, money on costly primary elections by state parties. Blocking presidential primaries is also not unusual. Okay, it's not unusual when an incumbent is running for re-election. In 1992, President George H.W. Bush was seeking re-elections and Republicans canceled primaries in eight states. In 1996, President Bill Clinton was running for a second term. Democrats canceled primaries in eight states. In 2004, when President George W. Bush was up for re-election, Republicans canceled primaries in 10 states. So this is not something, when you hear about it at first, it's easy to be like, what? That's outrageous. But it's really not. There is precedent for this. Personally, I'm not a fan of it, regardless of the precedent. I, th I think that people uh, should be given a voice. I think that every vote matters. I think that everyone should be given the opportunity to vote uh, that's that's how our republic was intended to function. So I am never a fan of canceling uh, the election. I think the whole saving money issue is just a farce because if you look at most uh, state parties on either side of the aisle, managing money is not something that uh, political organizations tend to do very well. I'm just I'm just saying it's really not the amount of money we send spend on politics is absolutely ridiculous. But. Um, the fact that we're canceling primaries, it's really about not wanting potential challengers to build up any momentum leading up to the election or leading up to additional primaries that would potentially allow them to uh, to generate steam, if you will, through the remainder. So if you, if you cut out the first four to eight states where there's primaries, by the time the ball is rolling to the other states, that you just don't have... You don't have the momentum that you would need or that the interest that you would potentially garner if you had had the opportunity to campaign in those states. So you, you're really just all you're doing when you cancel these primaries is uh, is eliminating the opportunity for someone else to potentially uh, become a viable candidate and dethrone, if you will, your uh, incumbent. So that's that's really all that's going on. Again, there is precedent for this. I just don't like it personally. I I think that this is not something that our founders would have thought was cool. But then our founders had a lot of ideas that, well, anyway, I'm not going to go there. But I think just have the, let people have a say, let people have a vote. I think you frustrate people and you turn people off to politics when you do things like this. When you play politics, it turns people off to politics. And this is just playing politics. Precedent, yes. Is it politics? Also 
Yes. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, the DNC has blocked virtual caucuses in Iowa and Nevada, according to RollCall.com. The Democratic National Committee formally decided on uh, last Friday not to move forward with virtual caucuses in Iowa and Nevada amid cybersecurity concerns. So the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee agreed to voice vote to adopt the recommendation from DNC Chairman Tom Perez that the virtual caucuses should not take place since they would not be secure or reliable. So apparently here in Nevada and in Iowa, the state uh, Democratic parties had been working to make voting in our caucuses easier in the primary process for Democrats. They were attempting to expand access, make uh, make things easier for people that would be needing to vote by absentee in the primary process, and now, nope. <laughs> Neither one is going to happen. Uh, both take place in about five months. Iowa caucuses uh, February 3rd, Nevada caucuses on February 22nd. Um, Nevada DNC committee member Artie Blanco said that it is impossible to find a technology secure enough for a virtual caucus to protect against a hijacking uh, attempt. She also had to remind committee members how to correctly pronounce Nevada. Um, But uh, previously, until this had been canceled, the virtual caucus plans apparently being lauded by state leaders in both uh, places. Former Senator Minority Leader Harry Reid expressed confidence in July that the party would have all the kinks worked out, that we'd be seeing this virtual caucusing happening here in Nevada after seeing it happen in Iowa. The National Party has said, no, we are not going to do that because of cyber security concerns. Which that, I feel that's reasonable. Um, With all the hacking that goes on in today's environment, maybe... Maybe picking our candidate via, you know, um, a cyber means is, is, is not perhaps the best of options for us. But, okay. Did anybody actually see any portions of CNN's incredibly long and somewhat painful uh, Democratic town hall? on climate change. There was some weird moments, some crazy statements, very little substance in my opinion, but some things that definitely made me scratch my head and be like, wait, what? And other things that made me go, uh, no, no, I'm going to need for you to please never be president of this country. Um, just a couple of the, a couple of the big ones. Okay. So, Beto O'Rourke, as some of you probably know, uh, he has proposed in the past, this wasn't at this debate this happened, or at least I don't think he talked about it here, but uh, he's talked about having a forced uh, gun buyback program nationally. Like, you will sell your guns back to the government or else, essentially. Which, and speaking of that, David Hogg, you know, the, the, the kid from Parkland um, who became the March for Our Lives guy, uh, who has been campaigning in an ultra-left uh, manner pretty much since that tragedy. Uh, he made a statement earlier, was it earlier this week? Was it last week? I don't know. It was It was not too long ago, but he said, and I, I favorited it on social media. I'm going to go and unfavorite it because then people wonder why I have these random things favorited, but I was like, I need, I want, anyway. 
He said white people feel that it is more American to pick up a gun because you are afraid of what you don't know than it is to actually explore what you don't know. Because I would personally argue that peace is patriotic. In case you're thoroughly confused by that statement, let me say it again. David Hogg, this is what he said in an interview on MSNBC uh, with Chris Hayes. He said, white people feel that it is more American to pick up a gun because you are afraid of what you don't know than it is to actually explore what you don't know because I would personally argue that peace is patriotic. I have no idea what that is supposed to mean. Like, he's basically saying, I think, that anyone who owns a gun is, uh, is, I don't know, is, is afraid of everything that we don't know. And I don't know what it is that we're not, that we, th that we don't know, that David Hogg thinks we don't know. What, I, I don't get it. I, the two don't equate to me. White, and it's, it's specifically white people, is what he's saying. So he's saying that if you pick up a gun when you're white, it's because you're afraid of what you don't know. Okay, but I, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what, so you go out to the middle of the desert for target practice, and the reason you do that is because you're afraid of what you don't know. I mean, I am afraid. Uh, quite frankly, if someone comes busting into my house in the middle of the night, yeah, I'm gonna shoot at you. That that is going to happen. Okay, if my alarm goes off and, and you are breaking into my home and you are coming at me, I'm just saying that's not going to end up probably well for either of us. Okay, but self-defense is a thing. And if you're saying that you're, the only reason you have a gun is because you're afraid of what could happen. Well, yeah, I feel like that's actually a fairly decent reason to have a firearm if you're... <laughs> If you're wanting to protect yourself and your family, I don't think that's a bad thing. In fact, fear is, is, is a natural response, and it's something that God gave us to help protect us from things. It's like the whole hand in the fire thing. Like, you, you realize after the pain sensor that, oh, that's something that I shouldn't do. Fear is kind of the same way. Oh, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe that's why I'm afraid right now. So anyway, but of course he's talking to the guy. I think I believe Chris Hayes is the same guy that just a week or two ago came out on his program and said that if the electoral college wasn't written into the constitution then it would be unconstitutional. Yes. Very good. It, yes, that's how it works. If it's not in the constitution it would be unconstitutional, but it is in the constitution, hence it is constitutional. So anyway, uh back to where were we? Oh, the craziest things from the from the climate uh, town hall extravaganza. So, Beto O'Rourke, as you probably know, he has proposed, that's what got me sidetracked on David Hawk. he's proposed the forced buyback of firearms across the country. That sounds crazy. Um, it sounds like a really bad idea. There are a lot of people that own firearms that are not going to hand them over to the government willingly or for, you know, less than what they paid for them or for any amount of money, quite frankly. And so it just sounds like a bad idea. But it's supported by, by those who, who disagree with the Second Amendment and different different things or, or have a misunderstanding of why people would have firearms or they just don't understand firearms in general. So there's a, there's a debate there, which is at least, you know, reasonable. Then you have Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, during this <laughs> seven hours, proposed a potential government confiscation of all cars that run on gasoline. 
Well, if Blitzer then asked him, what's the answer then? Are we all going to have to drive electric cars? And Yang said, we are all going to love driving our electric cars. And Blitzer again pressed the issue, will we have to drive electric cars? Yang said, there will still be some legacy gas guzzlers on the road for quite some time because this is not a country where you're going to take someone's like clunker away from them. But you are going to offer to buy the clunker back and help them upgrade. So he basically refuses to answer if Americans will be forced to drive electric vehicles and wants a national buyback of gasoline-powered vehicles. That's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Like, But this is also the man that thinks the world will just be a better place if we just give every American $1,000 a month and everything will be wonderful. Doesn't work. Will never work, but okay. Um, Kamala Harris doubled down on the whole burger uh, issue that's been talked about recently. We'll, we'll get into this more in a minute. But uh, she said she wants to ban uh, plastic straws. And uh, when it comes to paper straws, she says if you don't gulp it down immediately, it starts to bend. Right. So, we just don't get straw. Like, she, she's admitting in the, the <laughs> that paper straws are the worst, but plastic straws need to go away. Because, you know, there's so many people that are taking, I don't know about you, but I personally collect all of my used plastic straws from every restaurant that I go to. I keep them in a bag, in a plastic bag, and then I take the plastic bag full of plastic straws and throw it into the ocean every time I visit California. No, nobody does this. Are there plastic straws in the ocean? Sure, there are. But are, but is this, is plastic straws the issue? No, we're, we're <laughs> We're taking out, we're trying to fix a problem by attacking something that is not a major part of the problem. Like people in Iowa and Kansas using plastic straws are probably not contributing largely to the plastics problem in the ocean, particularly that related to plastic straws. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying that we can't look at alternatives or, or maybe just get rid of straws uh, as, a, as, a, as a, something we hand out to everyone that comes into the restaurant. But there are people that need physically to drink from a straw. And if you don't provide plastic straws for... There, there are disabilities where drinking from a plastic straw is necessary. It is, it, it's not just something where it's a, it's, a, it's a want. It's actually a need. There are some people that go to a restaurant, they need to have a plastic straw. And if, if we need to have handicap spaces, we, we, there are people that need plastic straws. So I'm just saying maybe we should look at, you know, the actual problem instead of just assuming that, that this is how we, we fix things. We'll save the turtles by telling people in Kansas that we're going to take away their plastic straws. It's just not logical. <sighs> okay. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden was asked a question by a young man. He said, I know you signed the no fossil fuel money pledge, but I have to ask, how can we trust you to hold these corporations and executives accountable for their crimes against humanity? Okay. When we know that tomorrow you are holding a high dollar fundraiser hosted by Andrew Goldman, a fossil fuel executive. 
Biden responded simply by saying he's not a fossil fuel executive, except that he most definitely is. But perhaps the most fascinating of all moments in this whole climate change debacle was when Bernie Sanders was asked about the growing population on the planet and how he would deal with that problem. (laughs) Here was the question from a gal named Martha. She said, human population growth has more than doubled in the past 50 years. The planet cannot sustain this growth. I realize this is a poisonous topic for politicians, but it's crucial to face. Empowering women and educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? It's basically like, hey, you know Thanos? Like, his idea was actually really good because, like, There's so many people, like, we're all going to die because there's so many people. Would you make, you know, making sure there's less people on the planet a priority in your campaign? Like, totally? You want to guess what Bernie Sanders' answer was? It was very wordy, so I'll just summarize it for you. You can go and look it up. You can Google it. It's, 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 It's not hard to find. Voter says, hey, there's too many humans on Earth. What are we going to do about that? And Bernie says, you're right. We need to fund abortions for poor third world countries. I'm sorry. But someone saying there's the population, it's too much. The world can't sustain it. And then someone saying, you're right, we'll deal with that with abortion. That's how we plan to, to curb population growth. That is horrifying enough, but when someone makes it specific to where they say, oh, you're, you're so right. So what we need to do is we need to fund more abortions in poor third world countries. Now, I don't think I need to explain a whole lot about what comes to many people's mind when you say poor third world countries. But it obviously wouldn't be the United States, right? It wouldn't be most Western societies. So who exactly is Bernie Sanders talking about here? Who qualifies for, you know, well, we'll help, we'll help, we'll help lessen the population over there because, you know, because why? Like, why? Are you implying that Western countries are are more advanced or are somehow better than these other countries and so if we just if we just deal with helping them get more abortions then that will be better for the planet we don't have to worry about more here like either way it's horrifying but imagine if you will if any republican candidate in the history of ever said oh yes i agree the world is too populated and the way we're going to deal with that is we're going to increase our funding for abortion services in poor third world countries. That's really how we solve this problem. I mean, on on this statement alone, in my opinion, Bernie Sanders should never be president. There are a myriad of other things that I disagree with him on, but how anyone, Republican or Democrat, regardless of your stance on abortion, I mean, you could just put that issue to the side, but the fact that he's... 
I, it, it's mind boggling to me how anyone could possibly think of supporting a man that would be like, oh yeah, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Kind of like Thanos, but a little bit different. We're, we're just going to kill the babies, and the babies that we're going to kill are just going to be the ones in poor third world countries. Because, you know, they're not, it's okay, it'll be okay then. Like, how dare you, sir? That is revolting. I... <sighs> but you probably didn't hear about it. Probably didn't hear about it. Did you see it anywhere in the news? No. No. I think I think even poor Anderson Cooper, who was asking these questions, was just kind of like, Oh, boy. That was not a good answer. Oh, and... Bonus. The woman who asked the question is a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> when it comes to nuclear energy, which, by the way, is the most efficient clean energy source that we have, Elizabeth Warren was asked about it, said her administration will build no new nuclear plants. In fact, we're going to get rid of all the fossil fuels. We're going to get rid of everything that... <laughs> I'm pretty sh certain... That if you add up all the different things that Democrats have said that they will eliminate when it comes to uh, how we receive our energy, I don't really know what we have left. Like, between all the different Democratic candidates, I'm fairly certain they have found problems with almost every type of energy available to us today. I really don't know what's left. Oh, electric. I guess electric is the one thing that they all seem to be okay with. But how... I don't even, I'm just going to have to go on. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. Compared the climate crisis to the difficulty of winning World War II. He said, and I quote, This is the hardest thing we will have done. This is on par with winning World War II. Perhaps even more challenging than that. Again, this is one of those statements where I'm like, are you, are you crazy? Like, are you crazy? How do you think that this is even a remotely acceptable thing to say? How could anyone vote for a person who would say something? I, and I know some people don't like me to say the word stupid on the radio, but this is a stupid thing to say. More than 400,000 Americans lost their lives fighting in World War II. Thousands, hundreds of thousands around the world. If you look at the, uh, all of the allied forces, if you look at the number of, of Jews that were killed in the Holocaust, and, and Mayor Pete is like, yes, climate change. Hardest thing that this country will ever do. On par with winning World War II. Actually, no, more challenging than that. You know, I, I just feel that you might be wrong about this. Do you do, do you know what happened in World War Two? Did you did your parents never watch a, a, a war movie with you? Did you miss history class? Like, not the same. And quite frankly, hate to break it to everybody, but scientists don't even agree on the whole climate change issue. It's hot, it's cold, it's cold, it's hot. It's called seasons. 
This this happens. <laughs> like we're gonna take away all the power stuff. We're gonna we're gonna kill babies in poor countries. We are going to fight harder than we did in World War II. It will be hard. It will be difficult. But we are going to make it happen. Uh, we're gonna just not use any more nuclear power ever. We're just we'll stop eating cheeseburgers. We'll start driving electric cars. And once we do all of these things, and then somehow we will survive. Unless, of course, you are from a low-income community. I'm um, the ones in this country, not the ones in third world countries where Bernie just says, well, you just need more abortion and then the world will be fine. No, no, no. Cory Booker, who I think was one of the last people to speak, pushed this narrative, which he summarized in a tweet following the, uh, the thing that happened, the, the, the town hall. He quote, this is a direct quote, people of color, Low-income communities and family farmers are on the front lines of climate change. Economic and environmental justice demands we transition to a carbon-neutral economy as soon as we possibly can. I'm sorry. So, I, okay. You, you, what, you, what you're saying is that climate change is, like, racist or something and is targeting specific areas and leave it, it like the climate knows the climate is racist and the climate is like oh this is where this minority lives so I'm going to go change there but over here in this neighborhood which is more affluent we're going to leave the climate the same yes they're only 10 minutes away what does that have to do with anything <laughs> what I, I can't like I just I can't and when you watch things like this and hear the quote-unquote ideas and inspiration for the future, it just... <sighs> I'm going to say something and some of you aren't going to like it, okay? But here's the thing. Sometimes President Trump tweets things that make him look bad. Sometimes President Trump say things, says things that make him look bad. And I don't always agree with the president and I, I, I usually kind of call him out on this program when that happens if you, if you listen you know that right and and when those things happen I just sometimes I shake my head and I think do you not want to be president anymore like do you not want people to vote for you why would you say that but then and I, and, and, and I think you you, you you might lose. You're, you're going to lose because you can't stop with this. And it's hurting you. But then Democrats go and have a town hall like this. And I, it just leaves me baffled. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I, I just don't understand. How do you... How do you people say these... Like, you sound absolutely insane. Like, that's the nice way to put it. Like, there is zero logic and so much that's so wrong in what you're saying. And it's not even, it's not even about politics. It's just, 
it's, it's just wrong. Like the <laughs> the climate is not targeting people of color and low income communities to say that is where we will inflict the most change in this neighborhood where they live. No, the climate <laughs> can't do that's. Say that climate change is the, the hardest thing we'll ever do. Harder than winning World War II. Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of families who lost husbands, fathers, sons that would probably disagree on that one. And then Bernie Sanders saying that the way that, w w yes, pop the population is an issue and we need to deal with the ever-growing population. The way we're going to do that is we're just going to send more uh, abortion funding and abortion services to poor third world countries. How is that even remotely acceptable to any American? It shouldn't be. And then, and then I, I see these things and I'm like, I don't know, the Trump might win in a landslide depending on who their candidate is and how many of these things that they say. It's just, it's absolutely outrageous. I mean, it makes, makes Andrew Yang look like the reasonable one. Julian Castro, Joe Biden, they look... I'm not going to say that. That's a mean thing to say. I'll just say they look good compared to some of these other guys because they don't look good. They look ridiculous. Oh, yeah, you know, paper straws, they're the worst, but we're going to ban the plastic ones and we just have to deal with it. But don't worry. That is how we solve the climate change issue. That is how... And what, does that, what does it look like? If we solve the climate change issue, how, how, what happens then? Like, do you think that everywhere in the world is going to become San Diego, sunny 70 degrees all the time? If we saw, like, what, what does that mean? Then you say, oh, well, that just means that everyone will go back to the, the normal ebb and flow of their seasons, whatever seasons they may have. Okay. What does that mean? What is the normal ebb and flow of the season in every different... It, it changes all the time. Like, this isn't a new phenomena. The climate has been changing for re all of recorded history. What it all boils down to is that the more that the mainstream media pushes these people and their narratives on us, the more the message comes across, I think, to Americans that there are just no moderates running for the Democratic nomination. And that if there is, Joe Biden is the closest thing you have to it. Even though he's talked about shutting down all the coal plants and taking gas burning vehicles off the road as rapidly as we can, it still makes him look reasonable. Like, there are so many issues facing our country today. But one of the main issues of, of Democrats is that we need to stop eating hamburgers. And if we would just stop eating hamburgers, imagine what that could do for the global climate. I mean, that is so not where most Americans are at. Uh, take Democrat, Republican, the whole thing out of it. Americans, I, I just don't think that most Americans really think that the biggest, one of at least the biggest issues, even the top 20, maybe even the top 50, probably not even the top 100, is, hey, if we just get rid of the cheeseburgers, this will change the world. I mean, 
do you live in this country? Because cheeseburgers are like an American staple. Okay? Iron Man comes back from being stuck in the cave. What does he want? Cheeseburgers. The end of Infinity War, Iron Man has sacrificed himself to save us all. What does his daughter want? Cheeseburgers. You're not going to get rid of the cheeseburgers! But this is apparently a major democratic talking point. I mean, Mayor Pete said, <laughs> if I'm eating a burger, am I part of the problem? Yes. Uh-huh. I don't know. This has become a very long diatribe about <laughs> the whole climate thing, I, which I didn't intend for the show to go this way, but since it has... We'll just keep going. We'll just keep going because I don't even know. I don't have enough time to, to change directions really now. Maybe we will. Uh, let's see. Let me see what else I had keyed up here. No, I'm going to save that. That will be too much to get into right now. Um, maybe we'll touch on that one. One more for you here before we move. Try to transition. I've got, I've got a couple more minutes. So we'll transition just a bit. But Beto. Beto blamed the United States for the drought in Guatemala and said that it's America's harmful environmental emissions that are spreading destruction throughout the world. He said that what is happening in Guatemala, the drought there, was not caused by God, nor by Mother Nature, but by America's carbon emissions. He also said that it's our fault that there's a civil war in Central America. So said, Guatemala, this is the direct quote, Guatemala, suffering one of the greatest droughts in their recorded history, caused not by God nor by Mother Nature, but by you and me and all of us and our emissions and our excesses and our inaction in the face of the facts and the science and the truth. You didn't know that, did you? Beto O'Rourke thinks that you personally are responsible for the drought in Guatemala. God doesn't have anything to do with that. If you don't believe in God, Mother Nature didn't have anything to do with that. No, it is. You, you, America, and your cheeseburgers are the problem. I feel like I should play the cheeseburger song right now. I'm just gonna, gonna throw in some cheeseburgers. You said right to her I'd like a cheeseburger. And I might yeah, like it milkshake. It's one of my favorite Lady Tale songs ever, but. She said to well, maybe him, I can't so. give you either. And he said, Isn't this burger bad? Okay. She said yes it is, but we're closed now. Something um but we open tomorrow at uh, time, time, time yes, eludes me. Alright, last one for today. The Eighth Circuit Court has ruled that Minnesota cannot force small businesses to make same-sex wedding videos. Another thing you probably have not heard in the news, but on August 23rd, the ruling in Telescope Media Group versus Lucero by a three-judge uh, three panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit was another landmark in the ongoing debate about whether government can force small businesses in the wedding industry to participate in same-sex weddings over the conscientious objection of their owners. This is from uh, the FRC blog, the Family Research Council. It's a great place uh, for res uh, resource if you are interested in, in government and faith and how the two interact, uh, it's frcblog.com. But uh, so they, they said last year, uh, as we all know, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop, the baker who had declined to create a custom wedding cake for the same-sex couple. 
However, the court ruled that Phillips had been a victim of specific anti-religious discrimination by the Colorado Tribunal that sought to punish him, so they did not definitively address the fundamental free speech concerns that his attorney had raised. So essentially, they ruled in favor of Phillips, and we talked about this at the time. I'm sure I had a podcast about it. You can go check it out on SoundCloud or iTunes. But they ruled in favor of Phillips, but they kind of left out the whole... Uh, freedom of speech issue. So he knew this was going to come up again because what they went after was that the Colorado uh, state government had been seeking uh, to make an example of him in essence. And so uh, because he, they found that he was the subject of their discrimination, that was the avenue that they took uh, to, to decide that case. So we, we knew that this was going to become an issue again. And now we have a decision uh, from the U.S. Court of Appeals. So uh, you had a, a, a couple who were videographers who had uh, were making videos and in the process promoting natural marriages between one man and one woman. Um, uh, so they sued Minnesota public officials to prevent them from using the Minnesota Human Rights Act to force the couple to make videos of same-sex weddings as well. In the 2-1 decision, the 8th Circuit panel ruled in the Larson's favor, saying that the First Amendment allows the Larson's to choose when to speak and what to say. Maybe that's why this has been largely ignored by the national media, but... The breakdown of the vote also shows how important judicial appointments are. The opinion was written by David Strauss, a 45-year-old Trump appointee who's been on the bench since January of 2018. He was formerly on the Minnesota Supreme Court and was appointed by Republican Governor Tim Pawlenty. The other judge in the majority was 67-year-old Bobby Shepard, appointed by George W. Bush, who's been on the bench since 2006. Meanwhile, the lone dissent came from Judge Jane Kelly, a 54-year-old Obama appointee who's been on the bench since 2013. This was on appeal of the district court's decision to deny a preliminary injunction, so it is not a final decision on the merits. However, it is an encouraging decision in that it is based squarely on the free speech claims, or in this case, the right to be free from government-compelled speech, which was made uh, by the plaintiffs. The court also accepted a hybrid rights claim incorporating the free exercise of religion. Now, since precedent has established that videos represent a form of speech, whether that principle articulated would apply with equal force to bakers or florists may still have to be argued in other cases, but the fact that this case was decided, at least for now, on free speech grounds rather than uh, anti-discrimination grounds that were used in Masterpiece with Jack Phillips makes this a stronger precedent even than Phillips' case for those concerned about protecting free speech and religious liberty, according to the Family Research Council. And that is huge news. Again, news you probably have not heard anywhere else. But big, big deal because of how the the Masterpiece Cake Shop ruling was brought down. This case is actually more significant to those who are concerned about religious freedom and religious liberties as it comes to uh, expression, particularly in uh, in in in. Uh, venues and businesses that would deal with the wedding industry. This will be more... Mm, this will be the case that will be looked at in the future. I, I'd be shocked if this actually doesn't go to the Supreme Court or doesn't, isn't appealed further. And then, of course, they may or may not say, well, this only applies to video. And then, as FRC said, you may see this happening again when it comes to florists or to churches or to whoever else. But this is a huge deal that uh, that the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled in favor of the uh, the videographers and saying that the First Amendment 
gives them the right to choose when to speak and what they will say and they cannot be forced to s to to say something or create something that would violate their conscience and i love the point that they made in there too that this is why this is why court appointments are so important we, we focus on the supreme court a lot but there are so many lower courts where judges are being appointed on a very regular basis it's amazing how many judges the president has appointed but this is this is why this is why it's a big deal when those appointments are made as well and, and we see the supreme court and we think about the supreme court and obviously that's where the ball stops so it's it is a big deal but these lower court appointments huge as well and that was just some really really phenomenal news that's kind of gotten buried over the last few weeks as we've been talking about cheeseburgers destroying the planet and such but this is <laughs> i hate that i hate that the real news gets pushed aside for the nonsense even though i just you know spent the last hour doing the same thing but it is what it is because <laughs> this is what our culture talks about but now you know the real news as brought to you by the Family Research Council. Again, it's frcblog.com. Great, great resource if you are into into politics and into finding out what's going on in our country and uh, how it relates to your family, to your rights as a Christian, and so on. Okay, I think I'm going to have to stop there. I had so much more I wanted to talk to you about, but uh, it's it's going to have to wait. It's going to have to wait. I'm just clicking through to see if there's anything quick I want to say. Um, no, I don't think so. But... Here is a, here's a project for you for today or tomorrow with your kids. I want you to go and look up the story of, uh, of Irina Sendler. Right? It's a lady named Irina Sendler. Al Gore beat her out for the Nobel Peace Prize, I believe, in 2007, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Um, but she was up for Nobel Peace Prize. She was beaten out by Al Gore. But you need to know about her life. It's absolutely incredible what she did. I'm not going to tell you what she did. I'm just going to tell you that you need to know about her. Her name? Irina Sendler. You Google her, you will find out so much that you probably never knew before. And you will be blessed and encouraged and challenged. That's all I'm going to say. Irina Sendler, go look her up and... Hope you and your family have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning are our service time. 6 p.m. Sunday evening, our midweek service. Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. Now, last night was a different uh, different schedule a little bit because we were finishing up our Maximize Life uh, conference. Generally, though, as a, as a normal rule, our Wednesday night services are always going to be at 7 o'clock uh, unless there's something going on like that conference but seven o'clock wednesdays if you can't be here in person you can find us online you can stream our services by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com or if you're on facebook you can live stream our service there as well just go over to liberty baptist church of las vegas hit like and then when it is service times you will see that beautiful stream of the service happening in your live feed Okay, that's it. That's all the time we have left for today. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Friday. I'll be giving stuff away. Look forward to having you with us then. Be good, everybody. Remember, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. See you tomorrow.